Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host, and with me is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. Hey, how you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good, Mark. How about you? I am fantastic, brother. The time has come. You and I have both been waiting for this. <laughs> Off-season's fun. There's plenty of things. We've found plenty of things to talk about. But right now, this special edition of Baseball Biz on Raise Up, and now it is spring training is here. Pitchers and catchers have reported, and and the guys are taking the field. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we were just talking about the World Series, and now here we are. It seems like the offseason flew by, and regular season's here. Or not regular season, spring training is here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're so excited about it, so am I. I'm ready to jump out there for the uh, opening day, too. Don't get me wrong. But it it is an exciting, exciting time. And for the race, we, we, we've been talking about them a lot on a regular show, but talking about Champa Bay, and we, we, we're looking forward to our race just kicking it again this year and actually taking it all the way to bringing that World Series trophy home. That's right. The pressure's on for them. They're the only ones in the city that hasn't done it. It is time to step up. I'm glad we got that very proud of the team, too, getting that American League uh, conference win, but we have got to make it all happen. So, now that we've expressed our excitement and what we're looking for this year, we want to share with you all some of the insights we've seen on what may be happening this year, who some of the players are, some of the players who've left, and some of those who are coming on. It has been a time of a lot of movement, even in the last few days. So, on today's show of Raise Up Bonus Edition for Baseball Biz, we're going to be looking at the pitchers and catchers. We're going to take a look at what's happening in Port Charlotte, and we're going to be looking at some of the recent moves that have been made. We're going to talk about Brandon and I trying to assess what we think the roster will look like if he and I had to put one together today. I don't know if Cash will let us, but we'll, we'll talk about that some. We'll talk about some of the players that have been injured, that may be coming back, and a little bit of spotlight on Brent Honeywell. There's a guy who I've been wanting to see come back into the drop for some time now, since 2018. We'll talk a little bit, too, about the tickets, what's available, what's not on spring training, and also a look at some former Rays, also known as X-Rays. Lastly, we'll take a look at what's happening with the American League East. What's happening with those teams, those five teams? What are the expectations? Rays, Yankees, Orioles? Blue Jays, oh yeah, and the Red Sox. We'll talk about all that. Are you ready, Brandon? I am ready. Are you ready? I'm hoping so, brother. It's, there seems to be some question about that, but yeah, let's go ahead and talk first. I want to talk about pitchers and catchers. I mean, I want to talk about the whole team, but the pitchers and catchers are an essential element of it. As we well know, as Game 6, and <laughs> looking back at the World Series, that lament will be going on for a while. That that's going to sit heavy with poor Kevin Cash for years to come, and also with anybody who's a Rays fan. But that moment is coming, gone, and the best thing we can do is look at how we're going to revisit that. We've lost Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. What next? Man, I don't know. It's like a whole new pitching staff. But I mean, looking at it, the good news is this is the closest they've been to an actual five-man rotation in years. It feels like. Well, we got Charlie, we got Glass now, and we got um, we got Blake. Who else are we going to mix in here? And a lot of times you would just say, okay, there's a three-man rotation with a couple of bullpen guys who are going to get mixed in occasionally. And that, that's not fair to those other ones. But 
in, in truth, that that has kind of been the case. Yeah, it has. And, you know, they kind of had, we've said it before, they kind of had to do it out of necessity for a long time there, just due to injuries and everything. But they found out it works pretty well and it became a part of their their strategy. And even starters, obviously that's no longer really a solid part of the game. But who knows what Cash will do this year. Like I said, anybody wants And the rotation, so what are we looking at? We're looking at, obviously, Tyler. And we're talking about the return of Chris Archer. Wow, man. You know, he had that thoracic uh, outlet surgery done around, I guess it's up around the uh, shoulder blade and all there. But it, that seems to have been taken care of pretty well. Michael Walker, the man walking onto the mount. Uh, Ryan Yarborough and Rich Hill. So that's, you know, they're all solid players. And, and of those solid players, three of them are, you know, relatively new. Yeah, Hill, I'm. Um... I'm kind of I'm really excited to see how he does cuz looking at him he's pitched really good when he's had full seasons but the last couple of years he's only played 21 games. So I'm, I hopefully he'll play a full season this year. And Waka and Archer are too. I'm kind of like uh when when they're on they're on and they're really good but and the bad can be pretty bad from the looks of things especially what we've seen with Archer. So he's not necessarily consistently great. No, outside of that one year you had a few years ago. And it's sad. I think a lot of people were, were almost crying, please take Archer, just take him away. And my gosh, the trade that we got for him said, well, who are these guys? What's his name? One of them's Austin Meadows, another one's Tyler Glass now. Yeah, okay, we'll see how they turn out. See if this trade's worth it. My gosh, and now we got Chris back. You know, he seems to be actually healthier and maybe even a better player. You know, So I'm hoping... There's some consistency to his greatness up there on the mound. So I'm looking forward to that. And with Tyler Glass now, <laughs> I, I just love watching that guy anyway. I mean, he's exciting. You know, he had some challenges. Was it last year or the year before when other players, they were saying, well, we can kind of tell what you're throwing because you're where you're positioning your glove. And he learned a few things there real quick about the game. And I, did you see that recent article about his philosophy, how, how to approach the mound now? Oh, like how he like makes up stuff to just make himself mad. Yeah, he says I try to get pissed off, you know. I try. He's trying to get angry before he gets up in the mound. I don't know if he sees a focus that comes with that or what, but if it works for him, I'm happy as can be. You know, he may need he may need somebody to bring him down after the game, I suppose. But wow, if it works, keep it up. Hey, they, Jordan did it, and he said even or I saw in the last dance. He was at a steakhouse, and the coach for the other team, when they were in the finals, was in the same restaurant, and he never said hi to him. And he he took that personal, as the meme on Twitter says, and he went and won the finals. So whatever edge you have to make you great, I'd say use it. That is amazing, and I'm looking forward to seeing Glass now up here. So we're going to miss, now. obviously, we're going to miss Morton. I mean, as much as the performance, I miss the entertainment of watching those men up there. I mean, Martin had some nasty stuff, man. He he could throw up there, and boy, I tell you what, that's that's another reason I wanted to see a Game 7. I just wanted to see Morton wrap the whole daggone thing up because he is such a performer. But we've got some great guys here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing them, really looking forward to seeing what Rich Hill delivers, like you said, was such a short season last year. Now, if we look at the guys that are backing them up, I was reading where Brendan McKay, 
guy. I love to see play more of the game. You know, he I think he's still on the mend. You know, he had COVID nineteen last year, and he had some surgery done, but evidently he's doing well enough that they're breaking him out for for uh, batting practice. I, wouldn't it be interesting if we saw Brendan McKay as a DH for part of this year? It would be. It, it kind of be like when Otani went down with Tommy John, and for one year they only used him as DH just because he couldn't throw the ball. So they figured, hey, we, they could do both. Just go out there and try to help us on the at the plate. Absolutely, and and at the plate is was that had to be one of the places we suffered the most last year. If it wasn't for a few people like Rosarina, Margot, and, and others who, who were performing, but if we had a little bit more activity at the plate last year, the it would it would have taken care of any issues we may have fell short on with pitching. And uh, hopefully that's going to be something we, we see. So the DHs, yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting if we see Brendan McKay there. I'm, I'm also looking forward to this uh, Luis Patino. Is, are they saying that he might be actually with the Rays this year? I'm hearing, or I've seen, you know, it could be a possibility. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a starter right away. Maybe in the bullpen sometime this year, but it it looks like he might start out in the minors unless maybe Wow's in spring training. But from the sounds of things, he's going to start in the minors. And, you know, maybe if somebody falls off, gets hurt, or they find that they don't need him anymore, he'll come up that way when when it comes time later in the year. Well, yeah, I mean, he want, may want to be in, like, taxi service. I mean, while we were talking about McKay a moment ago, that's a lot of what he's he's done earlier in his career now with the Rays. He, he, he would seem to be popping up here and there, didn't be ready to move. You know, have that to, that to-go bag of all your clothing and everything else, and bang, and be ready. So we'll see how that plays. I'm looking forward to seeing him as well. But as far as the regular pitchers, like I said, I'm really interested in seeing Mr. Honeywell. A player we had back what in 2018 with on the with the Rays, and he had Tommy Johnson. He's had four surgeries, but he says now he's feeling better than ever. I'm gonna play a little clip here, and this is what he said the other day about how he was connecting with the team. The biggest thing is uh, the new guy Archer who came in. Glad to have him back. Glad to have him back, and you know he's dealt with some stuff. He's dealt with some stuff over the past couple of years, and you know it's it's tough. And I know he's I know he's chomping at the bit to get back. Um, having Rich, you know, having all these guys. I mean, I've been out of a clubhouse for last year was the first time in two years, and you know I try to acclimate as soon as possible with guys that are here because I mean we're all we're all the same. We're the same unit here. <laughs> so, well, there you go. He sounds like he's ready to roll, and I'm glad he's welcoming Chris Archer to the new guy. To the fold, so that's that's going to be kind of interesting to see that dynamic. I, I never thought of this, but is Archer going to have to do like the new guy stuff now, even though he was with the team, but he's still the new guy. Is he going to have to do new guy stuff? <laughs> you you mean like some sort of initiation or? Yeah, you can do like like a coffee run, buy everybody dinner, stuff like that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Even though you're a seasoned guy, you're coming back to the team, so. Guess what? We're going to treat you like a newbie a little bit. <laughs> you know, well, I'm, I'm looking forward, like I said, to seeing their pitching. And I think we do have a good start there. But then we say, what about these guys who give them some relief? Who comes in after the sixth inning? Or who comes in and, and takes care and knocks them out? 
in the seventh, eighth, and ninth. And that bullpen is everything. We we have had a fantastic bullpen who got a big workout last year. And we saw one addition, I should say, I don't know what addition is the right word here, Brandon, but one guy who came back, I guess there was he was a free agent, and there hadn't been anything signed. That was Mr. Chaz Rowe. So I was glad to see today that he has signed up to, back to be with the Rays. Yeah, and he's not, you know, their best arm out of the bullpen, but he's a guy that can come in sometimes and say maybe like sixth, seventh inning because, you know, our pitchers don't go very long. He's a guy you can throw in there and not the highest pressure moments, but you could throw him out there and he can get you through an inning maybe five or six outs. So it's it's good to see him come back. I'm really looking forward to seeing that, I know, as well. He's I, I liked him. He's fun to watch. I tell you who I'm going to miss, and that is Jose Alvarado. Uh, he had some difficulties and some challenges, some things I think personal, and he was getting those resolved. He was, he's a fantastic player, but a lot of times with these relievers, sometimes you'll see some hot and cold. You know, I mean, but he had some things going on. You could tell he was getting everything balanced out a little better. So I'm hoping with the new gig that he has, that he does real well. Yeah, hopefully he does because. You know, he's he went hot and cold here a lot through his entire stint here. And we had two guys who were really hot and cold throughout all last year in Nick Anderson and Diego Castillo, where Anderson was hot in the regular season and Castillo was cold. But when he got to the playoffs, it was completely turned on its head and Castillo was shutting everybody down and Anderson couldn't seem to get anybody out. Yeah, that that's a fair assessment, I believe. But both of them are can be fantastic performers. Sometimes it's just night to night. I, I don't know why some of those guys may have a cold or a hot night. I always expect, well, like everything else in life, shouldn't it be consistent? Shouldn't that guy at the free throw line hit 90% of those shots all the time? You know, when I see that in basketball. Well, shouldn't these relievers, shouldn't they be striking these guys out left, right, and sideways and not having any uh, home runs being hit off of them? You know, that's, that's kind of a, a high expectation, but it's the one I carry. Hey, they they should. What else are we paying them for? Oof, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's that's something else too. And we were we'll talk about some of that on a regular uh, baseball biz edition. Some things about that in arbitration, but that's it's a very good point. Now I had Shane McClanahan down here in the bullpen, but he can actually be just a regular starting pitcher, couldn't he? I believe he can, but most of his way through the minors and majors. He was a reliever, and I think he started a couple games at USF. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he's a guy I would love to see get a chance in the bullpen because, well, first of all, he could throw 100 miles an hour, and he has control with it, unlike some other people in this division. So I'd love to see that. And also, he's pretty much the hometown kid going to USF. I'd love to see him get a shot up here and stay for a while, maybe be a, a big piece going forward. That would be great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that too with Mr. McClanahan. So great news. Looking, I mean, I think we've got some strong things here. We're going to see how some of these pitchers develop, who we have an inkling about, some more than others. But And like I said, we'll see Mr. Honeywell. Hopefully we'll see more of him. And hopefully by midseason anyway, Brendan McKay will be on the mound, the mound as well. All right. Now that we've taken a look at the pitchers, let's take a look at all the other positions. And we're going to take a little closer look at some of the trades and including the catchers. And I'm, I'm looking here, you know, like I said, 
it's so easy to question Eric Neander when he makes some of these decisions. And we all know that we're making it from a, let's see, I want to say much less educated or much less experienced than that man and the scouts that he has working with him. I know I was looking last year when the Rays traded Matthew Libertor. They sent him off to the Cardinals. I said, what, what, what are you doing? He, this is a prospect. This is a guy who's going to be fantastic for the future of the game. And so I'm, I, it didn't come to me. What, what's going on here? And who's this guy, Randy Rosarina and Jose Martinez? Okay, well, let's get him. You know, I had, a, I had higher expectations with Jose Martinez, guys. I've been reading the reports and all that. And I had limited hope for this guy, Randy Rosarina. Rosarina but <laughs> wow, was that coming up short again in my assessment? Yeah, I mean, the armchair GMs that we are. We were thinking that Jose Martinez was the big piece of that deal, but it turns out he was really uh, he was not a, even a piece at all because he was gone pretty quick. And Rosa Reina pretty much carried the Rays all the way to within two games of the World Series. And we didn't even know who he was. No, no, I mean, <laughs> and we didn't. I mean, that, that's true. But boy, he sure did make the world aware of who he was and then. The uh, the postseason like nobody's business. Some of the other trades, let's see, uh, looking at here more recently. A lot of the trading had already been done, but the one I was looking at, of course, was that he did. We did get something signed with Chaz Rowe. I know the pre-arb that was done recently with Choi and Yarborough. I don't think Yarborough was to his satisfaction. I think Choi got what he wanted, and. There's a lady on Twitter. I've said something about it. If you want to look up Andrea, I believe is her name. Anyway, take a look at my tweet on there about how she talks, how the the uh, arbitration process would have gone with Ryan Yarborough. So she analyzes the whole process, not just so much just him. She's using him almost more as an example, but it is interesting. We've got that going on. If we, I would t- take a look at the guys that left, though. All right, Brandon, if we take a look at the former Rays or X-Rays, we got Aaron Loop, who I loved watching last year. We only had him for one year. He, before Aaron Loop as a pitcher came here, he was seven years with Toronto. He spent part of a year with the Phillies, 2019 with San Diego, and last year with us, and now he's on to the Mets. Mikey Perez. Mikey Perez, did we DFA him? I can't remember. I'm not going to look it up quick. But we, I know we kind of walked away from him. And he had three years with us. But basically, what? There wasn't going on anything with him. And that now he's with Pittsburgh Parts. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is another guy like Jose Martinez. I think we had a lot of high hopes for at the bat, at the plate. I love watching Hunter Renfro. Good gravy. You remember watching him out there in right field and leaping over a fence into like a concrete culvert, catching the ball <laughs> and landing on his feet like a cat. And Hunter, I, I thank you for that, if nothing else. Uh, he was, I felt like he was committed and he put in an effort. It just didn't always materialize at the plate like a lot of us had hoped. Charlie Morton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. He only... Geez, started in Atlanta, what, I think, and uh, then he spent seven years in Pittsburgh. 
2016, let's see, did a couple of games with the Phillies. Then he went on with the Astros for two years and then spent some time, spent a year with us. And Charlie made give me, I just, it's amazing. I think the Braves got him for what we we could have got him in the, for the first year, and that's $15 million. I, I think it was worth it. I'm not sure what goes on in the office, but I can't imagine anybody that performs like him isn't worth $15 million. Yeah, I agree. And going back, Perez, he was DFA'd. And more than $15 million, to what he brings to the team, it's not just on the field, it's off the field because we saw it. He was the most aggressive pitcher out of our whole rotation. And you could see when Snell and Glasnow would sort of follow his lead with that, they, they're arguably one of the best three pitchers in baseball. And when they wouldn't, we would get on them about how they're pitching scared and you know biting at the strike zone instead of just attacking, which Morton really seemed to instill in them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he... He did, like you said, he's more than just what he did on the mound. I think he was a leader, and that's one thing that's I think is important for a team to have somebody they can look to and say, not only is he the the oldest guy on the team, but his work ethic is such that you know you have to emulate. He will give you guidance. I think in Charlie's case, most of the time he was rather quiet, but people sought him out. I would hear time and again, player after player, who would would go over to Charlie and ask him some things. And he would have an opinion. He'd have some gadgets, but I don't. He wasn't up there in your face with it. And I think sometimes you probably people have more respect for somebody like that if he's out there always telling people what to do. Maybe they don't. They don't. They're not as, uh, going to receive it as well as if something they seek out from somebody they see as a master. And he certainly was both of those things. So definitely miss you, Mister Charlie. Well, I guess the Braves will have to create their own Charlie freaking Morton shirts. <laughs> Chopping Charlie Morton and put that on the shirt. <laughs> Let's go back in the world of the catchers for a moment. <laughs> okay, we just DFA'd Mikey Perez, and we're sitting there. We haven't signed anything with Sanino yet. He's a free agent. And what do we still got? Kevin Smith, maybe, I guess. But he hasn't really seen the plate in the field much. So what in the heck are the Rays going to do? Well, we got Renato Hernandez coming up. Yeah, I forgot about him. Man, he's fantastic. He's got a, what he've had him with the Rays in the system since 2015. Well, you know, we'll just bring him up. That'll make a big difference, don't you think? Yeah, it would because not old, 23 years old. He's the 14th prospect in the Rays' whole farm system and their top catcher. And it seemed like he was probably going to be the their next thing since they moved on from Perez, but maybe we were wrong. Well, again, who who knows what the eyes of the scouts and Eric Neander see. But if we're looking back in 2019 when he played in Charlotte, let's see, he had nine home runs, 103 games. At batting average was 265. On-base percentage, 299. The year before, he had a 357 batting average and a 438 on-base percentage. Not sure what happened in between those two years. Evidently, the front office saw a need for somebody else besides him or that he had more value in a trade. So who we wind up, we've got a new fellow for our catcher here we just brought in, Francisco Mejia. Um, welcome you, Francisco. And <laughs> hate to say it, dude, but there's going to be a lot of expectation for you. 
when I look at our catchers, Brandon, I look at people like Darno, and I look at Ramos. I want that quality of a catcher again. I mean, not just as a catcher, but somebody who is performing at the plate. So expectations are high. So we got we got Zanino and we got Mieja. Kevin Smith, too, I guess. You think we'll just see 50-50 between uh, Zanino and Francisco there? What do you think is going to happen? I think, well, at least to start out, we're going to see Zanino because he's more familiar with the pitching staff here. And Mejia, I'm, I mean, I'm not really all that impressed looking at his numbers. I mean, he, he didn't even hit 100 in 42 plate appearances last year. So that's not exactly something to write home about, but hopefully he will rebound and hopefully his defensive side is much better than his offensive side. But I mean, I'm like you, I prefer, well, I prefer our catcher if he's not that great of a hitter, at least be great behind the plate, but at least be serviceable at the plate when you can hit. And it it looks like we're going to, we might struggle with that this year, unless it turns around. I'm ready to go to the game. I think you're probably ready to go as well, Brandon. And I know there's a bunch of race fans who who love watching them on Fox Sports or maybe MLB TV, but there's nothing like sitting in the stands screaming and shouting for your players. Yeah, hopefully we get as normal as we can 162-game season. Of course, it's going to be difficult at times because – we still see now, even with you know progress and everything a year into this thing, we're still having some problems. You see it in the NHL and NBA. Some teams are still having COVID problems, and you know that's expected. But it's messed up some of their games. Their schedules, of course, been shortened because I mean they got they got shut down right at the most important time of the year because the whole thing broke out. The NFL was the only one in the past year to play a full season, so. Hopefully, baseball can get back to normal this year, or as normal as we can. And, you know, that gets the ball rolling back to normalcy for everybody else. We're looking for some kind of normalcy. And the entertainment, whether it be movies, whether it be sports, that has been so much a part of our lives. If we can actually find some semblance of it with baseball, man, I think that'd go a long way for a lot of us. Well, we've talked about pitchers and catchers, but we really didn't talk about yet is the position players. You know, who's out there in the field? Who's in the outfield? Shortstop. I don't know who. He's on first. Okay. First base, they can be kind of crowded with some different opportunities and people we have there. I'm thinking Yandy Diaz, G-Man Choi. Who else might be playing first? I think Yoshi, he could play there first as well, even though he's maybe a little bit more of the DH. He could possibly slide in there from time to time, but it'll probably be... You know, Yoshi, or not Yoshi, Choi and Yandi taking up most of the time over there. Well, that's a good point. I know occasionally we've seen Yandi and Choi also as DHs. So, got to have a good catch, good mitt there. But G-Man Choi always has to be one of the most entertaining first basemen to watch. The way that man can do those splits to catch the ball when needed, he is amazing. I was watching some Twitter, uh, some things he posted on Twitter the other day. He is staying in shape. He looks leaner than ever. He's got himself uh, all chained up and pulling this big giant truck tire or something behind him. And he is looking like he's in shape and he's ready for the season. Hey, he doesn't need to be in shape that much. He's the G-man. He can do whatever he wants. 
G-Man is just amazing to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And on second base, we've seen different folks here. The first one comes to mind always is Brandon Lau for me. And then I think of uh, Brassow, you know, Mike Brassow there as well. Who else would could possibly be playing there? I like the mix of Lau and Wendell because, I mean, we've seen them a lot there. Of course, you know, we've said, you know, Wendell, maybe even Lau could be, you know, sort of like the Ben Zobrist of today's game where they're playing all sorts of positions, you know. Maybe any one of these three guys could move over to, say, third if they need them to be. Yeah, I, I think you're right because, you know, when my notes was right down second and third, I thought, well, I'm sorry, which one would I have this guy had to have him in second or third? Because he could, like you're saying, he could mix and match pretty well, and I do see the Zobris model there. So that's definitely good. Shortstop, well, the man has made his – it's his home, okay? He is Mr. Shortstop. You know, the kid, Willie Adamas, for the race. So I'm glad he's there. I'm still curious to see with some of what we have coming up if we will see Mr. Uh, Wander Franco. It, it'd be nice to see Franco come up. I mean, I, I don't think we'll see him this year. Just, you know, all the games that the Rays play with, you know, service time, all that fancy stuff that's way over my head. And I've said it before, I'd love to see maybe Adamas at second and Franco at shortstop or or maybe switch the two if they need to something like that that would certainly give us a little bit more depth i'd like to see him there if we look out into the outfield though there's some real familiar names we've got four guys who can hit fairly well and a couple of them hit very very well and mr lucky boots himself randy rosarina he is just he gosh man was there anything more exciting than watching that Mr. Lucky Boots himself. I mean, what he was able to do last season. And it seemed like everybody and their their mother knew, you know, don't pitch to this guy. He'll hit it out of the park. But (laughs) they still did it. And he still hit it out of the park. Well, I'm looking forward to as much excitement as that man brought last year to the game. Hopefully he'll do the same. And you know what's interesting, a little side story about Randy Rosarina, you know, his Lucky Boots. Those were actually given to him. I believe, by uh, Brent Honeywell a couple of years ago. So her his lucky boots. I heard one of the reporters asking Honeywell the other day, says, what are you going to ask for him back? He says, hey, if he keeps winning, well, no, I'll get him another pair if he wants an additional pair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Amen. Amen. So then we got Austin Meadows. The guy, one of the two, yeah, two guys, him and Glass now, who we got a couple of years ago for Archer. Now we got Archer back. Austin Austin had a, an okay year last year. I don't think we saw what we expected from him at bat, for the, at least for the entire season. There were glimmers of it, but I think he'll come back stronger this year. Yeah, because, I mean, he missed uh, – Meadows, he – of course, he had – he battled COVID early in the year, so he missed a lot of time there. And, you know, missing all that time, jumping into a, a short season, and from what that sounds like it, really wipes you out energy-wise. He probably just didn't have time to get going again. By the time he could, it was too late. That's a fair assessment. I'm I'm expecting more from him this year, and I'm sure he's expecting more from himself. And COVID can, you know, COVID can be a real kicker. You know, that, that's one of the things, like I said, we talked about even uh, Brendan McKay had that last year. It's the one thing that the Rays needed more of last year, and that was power at the plate batting that ball, getting it out of the park, or at least getting some solid good plays. 
not leaving. I, I haven't looked at the number, and I actually I don't want to. <laughs> but I, men, you know, what is it? The the men left on base. That's L O B left on base. I don't want to see that metric yet. It that metric was too daggone high last year. Too many times. If they kept score so, with that, they would be World Series champions. So if ooh. if that'll make you feel better, we can look at it that way. Oh gosh. Thank you, Brandon. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm trying to find the bright side of things while also hurling insults. Oh, but uh, the guy who can steal a lot of them, that's Mr. Kevin Kiermaier, Mr. Excitement. You know, I talk about how much fun it is to watch Choi at first. Watching Kevin Kiermaier in center field, whether it be as high in the air as you is beyond expectation, climbing a wall to grab a ball, or leaping so much that he's just looked flat, vertical like a, a table. You know, and I should say very horizontal like a table <laughs> and the, to, to go for a ball. And you know by the end of the game, that man's uniform, if it was white when it began, it's mostly green. <laughs> <laughs> he'll pick up the, between the dirt and the grass he'll pick up on away games. It's just unbelievable. And with Kiermaier, something I'd, I'd love to see the race too. I was begging for it like all of last year. Use his speed on offense. It's you know, They never put him in motion when he's – on the bases, and you think if he's at the plate and you need a base runner or doesn't need anything on offense, have him drop one down the line and use his speed to get on base. I mean, it seems like they just don't utilize what they have right there in front of them. That's a good point because he does. I mean, he is a speedster. I forget about I, I need to look. We can talk about it on a future episode on the raise up. We can say uh, how many bases he's stolen. You know, he's he and Randy Rosarina both have, have kept pitchers and infielders crazy when they're out there on the bases. I've been to games before. We've seen it on TV, but I've seen it in person. When the first, the first game I ever saw him play, I didn't know who the guy was, but I knew who he was after he took what was an obvious single, what should have been only a single. He turned it into a double because the outfielders weren't paying attention. <laughs> and he was at second where he should have been out by maybe a mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to go ahead and take it for granted, dude. Think think that is gonna stop and there's any potential possibility. Yeah, no, that he's he is, like I said, he's as entertaining to me in center field as, as Choi is at first, maybe more so. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a lot from for him. I know a lot of people well, he he's making like seventeen million or something. Well, yeah, he negotiated a good contract, but he also brings a lot to the game. Batting, he does well. He doesn't do necessarily the best, but if you take both of what he does in the bat and what he does out there in outfield, it's definitely well worth it. And because he's been with the team, he's he's a bit of a leader. I, I not necessarily a Charlie Morton type leader, but somebody with a seniority and I think respect of the other players. Yeah, and he looking at his stats, when he plays a full season, he usually only has about fifteen to twenty stolen bases a year. Which, I mean, I'd like to see more, maybe about 25 to 30, somewhere in that range. But he doesn't get thrown out that much either. So I'd say, you know, scared money doesn't make money. You got to throw a risk out there to get rewarded. No, I agree with you about Kiermaier. Um, Lastly, outfield, I guess we got Manuel Margot. And man, isn't he a great addition? I mean, some of what he did. Almost got lost in all the excitement about Rosarino in the postseason. Yeah, when he first came on, 
you know, he was going through personal issues with his dad passing away. And he honestly looked like a guy that shouldn't have been out there. I mean, he was dropping easy fly balls. He looked like he just didn't belong out there. And, you know, I kind of felt bad for him because I didn't know at the time. And when I did, I felt bad for him. But he eventually got it turned around and he became a, a pretty good piece of this team. There's no doubt. I think he'll be, a, hopefully he'll be a fixture for a long time to come. And you brought that up about the personal tragedy he experienced. And if I remember correctly, you would see quite often in the dugout him and Willie Damas. And Willie Damas, you know, might have his arm wrapped around over there, you know, putting his hand over his shoulders and just talking with Manuel during a, a very difficult time. I think it speaks to Willie. I think it speaks to the team about how much they care for one another. and support one another. I imagine it's, it's these, all, every one of these players has their own family, but I'm sure this is a second family for a lot of them, and there's a support there that's different than the folks that you have a genetic connection with. But it's de- definitely a strong family to raise. Nate Lowe's gone, but uh, his brother Josh, his brother Josh is, is still with the Rays, and I don't know if he's going to be one of those we bring up permanently or not. What do you think? Um, he might be, you know, one of those guys who sticks around throughout camp, but eventually he does get DFA'd, but maybe he's put on the taxi squad just in case, you know, God forbid somebody gets sick and they, they need him, or if somebody gets hurt and they have to bring him up for about a week or two. I think he's one of those guys, you know, taxi squad. That makes sense. That, that does. I'm trying to think who else we may have as far as potentially coming up. How about Brett Phillips? I hope we get him back, too. He's, he's got a lot of positive energy. Yeah, I'd love for him to come back because he's kind of in the same boat as McClanahan. He's the home, he's a hometown kid as well. I'd love to see him here and succeed, but I think he's kind of in the same boat as uh, Loa is where he's going to be at, end up being DFA, but put on the taxi squad to where if they need him, they can bring him up. Well, I hope that's the case because he he brought a lot of energy. You know, we saw him in postseason do some great things, and I hope he's out there as well. Are there any other folks that you're that I'm not thinking of that we should probably consider should be on the team? No, I think this team is pretty much gonna, outside of its pitching staff or the starting rotation at least, look pretty much the same. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited about it. like I said this. Uh, it's, it's good. We. We're very fortunate. But as much as we feel great about the Rays and being in the American League East and having a wonderful year last year, we've got a good team. We had a great team last year, and this team may be just as great. I don't know yet. We'll find out. But it's interesting because every year we know that the Rays are going to be one of the most undervalued teams in the league. And that's proven time and time again. And just because we did so well last year, the expectations are not necessarily going to be high this year. I know you did some homework. You were looking at fan graphs and seeing how each one of the teams are showing up, especially like with their win-loss percentages. Yeah, we talked about it last week, the whole fan graphs thing. And if, if you want to go see it, if you're a race fan or if you're another fan and you're curious about this, you can look it up on my Twitter at SportsBlitzPod where I retweeted it from fan graphs. You know, coming off of a World Series appearance, almost winning the thing, you'd think that the Rays would be up there as more of a favorites to at least win the division and make the playoffs. 
but they weren't, as they were listed fourth in the AL East to win the division, as they have only a 3.8% chance to win the division, and only a 20.7 chance to make the playoffs. That is behind the Red Sox at 44.7, the Blue Jays 53.2, and Yankees at 91.7. And Blue Jays, Blue Jays are not to be underestimated. I think the Yankees are going to be overvalued. I don't know. We'll see. As much as they're spending on money on old guys, you know, like Sanchez and Gardner. So we'll see. We'll we'll see. I, I certainly expect better than what these numbers are on Fangraphs. So shame on them. Shame. Well, and the shame well, they'll they'll feel not so much shame, but embarrassment from the results. I expect that the Rays will actually deliver this year. Yeah, and hopefully they do because their projected win total for the Rays is eighty one point seven. So barely five hundred for them this year. Well, looking at those odds, I got another set of odds for you, Brandon. I wonder what kind of odds are that we'll actually be able to to get a seat of the game this year. Uh, no, I don't think they're they're that good. It might be very hard to get them, at least. Yeah, I, I don't know if Fangrass has a number, a number for that, but it may be difficult. I, I reached out today, as a matter of fact, to the uh, today being Monday, the 22nd of February, and I was talking with a gentleman there at the ticket office of the race. He said, well, Mark, right now what I can tell you is this. He says, if you're a season ticket holder, even with spring training, you're going to get first crack of what's available. He says, I can't tell you right now what's available because it hasn't come down and it's not decided yet from MLB, at least not an announcement. But he says they expect an announcement no later than Friday. Now, on the other end of that, I said, well, what about at the drop? What about regular season? I said, are we still playing on 162 games? And I'm putting this guy on the spot. Like, he's going to be making the final decisions on that. Yes, I was talking with Rob Manfred and Tony Clark today, and I told them this is what they needed to do. No, he said, with as much knowledge as I have at this moment in time, yes, there's 162 games, and yes, there are going to be people in the stands. What that is, that number, they, you know, he couldn't tell me at that point. Because uh, it's it's being evaluated, it's changing you know, as they, as we speak, and so that's that's going to be another part. I'm looking forward to finding out what that is. But again, it's going to be season ticket holders who get the first crack at that. Uh, if you want to find out more, all you can go to you can go to the race site and find out more about the tickets. All right, man. Well, that's it. We're going to have to get our tickets to get to the spring training if everything holds up well. And again, we're not sure what that seating will be like or what it's going to be like at the drop, but you can certainly find the site at the Rays Baseball and look up their tickets. So that should be evolving. So I'm looking forward to that. It is the time, man. Go ahead, get out the hot dogs, you know, get out the seats, get ready to watch a game in a stadium. I am excited about 2021 for the Rays. Brandon, what are you seeing there at Sports Blitz Pod? We got a whole lot coming up. We got the playoffs, NBA, NHL, not too far away when you think about it. So we'll definitely be talking about that. Racing's back. We'll be talking about that as well. And of course, only a month away from regular season baseball. So I'll definitely be talking about that as well. So feel free to feel free to drop a follow and message me if you'd like. We can have a conversation. You can agree with me, disagree, whatever you want. Absolutely. Okay, man. Well, thanks again, Brandon. Um, with that, I'm Mark Corbett. And you can find me at the Baseball Biz on Twitter. You can find Brandon again at Sports Blitz Pod, and you can find us across all of the different 
podcast directories, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, podcast.google, Stitcher, and all that other. Pandora, you think of it, we're there. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us on this very special edition of Baseball Biz with a raise up focus. So thanks again, everybody, and we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to Scott Holmes for the music, Stomps and Claps.